Whenever I used to travel, I would get that creeping feeling that I locked my back door. How do I know my property is going to be safe while I'm away? But not anymore, thanks to Simply Safe Home Security. I'm about to go on a three-week trip to Copenhagen, but am I tripping about my trip? Nope. With award-winning security and peace of mind from Simply Safe, I don't need to worry. Simply Safe is a super amazing alarm system that I actually installed in my house myself personally in less than 30 minutes, and there's so much peace of mind knowing that there's something in place to protect my homes, my goods, and my John Mayer shrine. Simply Safe systems have high-tech sensors that detect break-ins, fires, and floods, indoor and outdoor cameras to keep watch night and day, 24/7 professional monitoring at less than $1 a day, plus Simply Safe professional monitoring agents can even help stop crime in real time by speaking to intruders through the wireless indoor camera. Hey, hey, bud, get out of here. It's like that, but it's a lot better, I imagine. And if you buy the system and you don't love it, you can get a full refund with Simply Safe's 60-day money-back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com/pockets. There's no safe like Simply Safe. What's better than low money down? No money down. Now through rent to retirement. You can buy a brand new construction turnkey rental property for no money down. Wait, hold on. This can't be right. I need to double check with Zach, rental retirement CEO. Oh, hey, Rob. Zach, how the heck are you selling turnkey rental properties for $0 down? <laughs> it's not that complicated, Rob. Rent to Retirement has new construction properties up to $20,000 below retail prices. We also have investor loans with rates as low as 3.99% and down payment options as low as 5% or sometimes even zero money down. You get all the cash flow, appreciation, and equity for as little as zero money down. That's an infinite return. Oh, wait, wait. Let me get on this before we tell it to the whole Bigger Pockets audience. Just head to renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com or text REI to 33777. That's REI to 33777 to learn more about how you can get started investing with no money down today. Get your next new construction property at a steep discount or invest with no money down. Head to rentoretirement.com today. You're ready to open a business bank account for your new property. You know what that means? Coordinating a time between you, your co-founders, and your bank consultant. Waiting at the branch or waiting for hours on the support line. Who has time for that? With Relay, you can open a business bank account for your property 100% online from anywhere. Create up to 20 accounts to organize money by property or by categories like expenses, taxes, or investments. Effortlessly collaborate with role-specific access. That means giving your cleaner a debit card for cleaning supplies or your accountant read-only access to your transactions. Own multiple businesses? Relay lets you open unlimited accounts and access them all from one centralized login. Okay, I'm just, I'm going off script here. That is cool. It's annoying that I have to log into 10 business accounts with my current bank. So go sign up for RelayFi because that's a, that's a feature that I like. No monthly fees or minimums, and it takes just 10 minutes to sign up. Head on over to RelayFi.com slash BiggerPockets for stress-free banking. You can join me because I'm heading on over there right now. I'm heading on over to R-E-L-A-Y-F-I.com slash bigger pockets. Relay is a financial technology company, not a bank. Banking services provided by ThreadBank, member FDIC. The Relay Visa debit card is issued by ThreadBank pursuant to a license from Visa USA Inc. and may be used everywhere Visa debit cards are accepted. This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 37. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. 
Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Josh Dorkin, your host on the Bigger Pockets podcast, alongside my wonderful co-host Brandon Turner. Hey, Brandon. Hey, Josh. What's going on? You know, working, working. Just got back from uh, from a nice four day jaunt in New York for a, a wedding. So uh, that was that was nice. Nice. I I like how you used the word jaunt. I don't hear that word very often. Well, you know, I like to I like to expand my vocabulary. Good job. That was a uh... Excellent. For those people who don't know what jaunt means, go look in a dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> you just made like half of our listeners feel terrible about themselves. <laughs> good job. Oh, you guys. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, so things are good, man. I'm doing, I'm doing well. Had fun traveling, had fun seeing folks. And, uh, you know, back in the saddle here, cranking away. Just, uh, just released uh, version 2.0 of the Bigger Pockets uh, mobile app, which which is uh, pretty cool for i uh, what is it iOS seven. Yeah. So very uh, excited about that. Yeah, it's fancy and pretty looking like iOS seven is. It is, it is. Yeah. So anyone who wants to uh, download that, go to uh, biggerpockets.com/app, and uh, you could download the free Bigger Pockets iOS seven app. And for you Android listeners, so. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah. We'll get we'll of, get there. Well, one of these days we'll have an Android app. Yeah. Maybe we'll do a Kickstarter for that. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe that's what we have to do. Uh but uh so listen, a few weeks ago we started doing this quote contest and encourage people to share on Twitter, G plus or Facebook their favorite quote from the show, along with hashtag bigger pockets. So uh before we get into the show, we want to announce the winner of the quote contest from last episode. This week's winner was Mark Elgert, uh, and his Twitter account is at BLNK2010, who quoted, don't bet on appreciation from uh, our show 26 at biggerpockets.com slash show 26. So this week, we're going to change up the contest award just a little bit and up the ante some. Uh, This week, we want to encourage you guys to pick your favorite quote and tweet, Facebook share, or G plus share it using the hashtag BiggerPockets uh, for your chance to win six months of a free BiggerPockets Pro account. So uh, we're giving away six months of BiggerPockets Pro for free to somebody here um, who uh, who has, uh, I guess, our pick of the best quote of the week. Uh, that said, a Pro account, in case you didn't know, it allows you to post on the marketplace to use BiggerPockets analysis calculators get analytics about who's visiting your profile and blog and a whole uh, lot of other cool features like uh, enhanced signatures and so on. Uh, you can learn a lot more about that at biggerpockets.com slash pro. Moving on to the meat of the show, we've got a really, really good show ahead of you today. Uh, we, we, you know, this, this thing is, is chock full of excellent, excellent information and uh, our guest is is Aaron Mazzarillo. Uh, Aaron's an investor in the Southern California market who's done just about everything there is to do in real estate investing. Uh, he was a speaker at the last Bigger Pockets conference uh, last year in 2013 in March, and uh, he was a huge hit. That was uh, 2012. Your conference. What year are we now? <laughs> We're in 13. Holy Moses! Yes, it was in 2012. Don't pay attention to me. <laughs> Days anyway. just drone on. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm so not kidding. All right. So, Aaron, <laughs> Aaron was the speaker of the conference last year in 2012. 
he was still a huge hit back in 2012. And uh, he's also uh, he's very active on the, on the Bigger Pockets forums, uh, always working to help answer questions on the site. He's usually there pretty much every day. So uh, yeah. definitely check him out. And uh, as a reminder, of course, be sure to come check out the Bigger Pockets show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show37, where you can ask Aaron any questions you want or just say hello. Uh, every week, the conversation that takes place on the show notes is really awesome. Uh, so definitely go to biggerpockets slash show 37 so you can uh, pick Aaron's brain about uh, what he's talking about in the show. And uh, with that, why don't we move forward and uh, get this thing going? Aaron, welcome to the show. Good to have you here. Oh, I'm excited to do this. Awesome. Welcome. Uh, let's uh, Let's jump into it. Josh, would you like to take the first question? Sure, I'll gladly take that, Brandon. Thank you for being so generous. Yeah, you know, I'm a generous guy. Yeah. All right, Aaron. <laughs> seriously, what uh what are you doing, man? What's your uh, what's your strategy? What's your focus? Uh where are you doing it? Well, I'm in uh Riverside, California, and my my market is an area called the Inland Empire, so that extends uh the eastern boundary of Los Angeles, city of Los Angeles. And I go as far east as uh, a city called Moreno Valley, which is uh, just uh, before you hit desert as you head east into California. I really don't go into Palm Springs or that area. And uh, I really don't go much further south than probably Corona. There's a lot of cities in the Inland Empire south of there, but I've never had much luck down in there. So just central Inland Empire, Riverside, California, uh, by buy and wholesale mostly. Um, my game is cash flow. I, I like to to uh, acquire properties as rentals. So I try to get something in escrow and then immediately something that I'm going to keep and then immediately look for something I can wholesale to use that money as the down payment. And I've been doing that for quite a few years now and it's worked out really well. No, I'm not real familiar with, uh, you know, California. So where, whereabouts, I mean, where is this in relation to, let's say Los Angeles? It's east. It's just east of Los Angeles. Uh, An hour east. Yeah. I can be at LAX in, uh, you know, an hour uh, from my house. All right. So, and you're actually finding, I mean, like people are always coming on the site from Southern California saying, I have to invest out of the area because there's nothing in California you can buy. And you're, you're not and, finding this to be true. And if you look at those posts, you'll see I'm the first one to just blast that out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hammer on people so many. I look at those posts, just search that. I hammer on people all the time. Why are you buying in Detroit when you can buy right here in Southern <laughs> hey, California? Hey, it wasn't me. I didn't rip on Detroit. Note to everybody who's pissed at me in Detroit. This is Aaron who made a comment. Hey, if you me. live in Detroit, great. You know, But if you live in Southern California, why are you looking in Detroit? I don't understand that. I see it so many times. It just it, it just drives me nuts. Yeah. Well, that's always been my thing. I always say that within every major city, there's probably somewhere within an hour or two you could go to invest. And uh, apparently they should all come to your backyard. So we'll be sending everyone. You know, here. there's a guy. There's a there's a guy. He he used to run a real estate club here in Southern California. He's retired now, but he used to have a saying: "Why are you looking across town when you haven't looked in your own backyard?" Is that, is that Tony? Know, when, you when you haven't looked across the street, and I I believe that it's true. You can find deals within a half hour of your house, no matter where you live. Yeah. Yeah. Was that Tony? Tony. 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 Oh, Alvarez. Yeah. No, no, no. It was a guy named Jack Fullerton who was uh, really instrumental in me making the right decisions and finding the right people. So shout out to Jack, even though he'll never listen to this because I don't think he even knows how to use the internet. (laughs) (laughs) Nice, nice. Well, yeah, I mean, listen, there's there's, uh, 
SoCal is there's there's tons of opportunity. You just have to know where to look. In fact, uh, Arthur Garcia, who I believe was on podcast six at biggerpockets.com slash show six, uh, that was that was his focus as well. I'm sure you guys uh, must know each other or something. It's small town, even though. <laughs> you know, I know guys who live out here in the Inland Empire, and they're buying and flipping houses in Beverly Hills. So if you're in Southern California and you can't find a deal, you're just not looking at the right product. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Cool, man. All right, so you're in the Inland Empire. You're doing this buy, uh, buy and hold uh, stuff. Are you are you a full time? I'm assuming that's the case. That is yes. I think I have a. I am full time real estate, but 100 percent of my income is derived from real estate. But I'm not. I'm not the the typical investor. A lot of these guys are out there and they're working their butt off and you know they've essentially created jobs for themselves and I didn't get in real estate to create a job. Uh there's a saying an entrepreneur will work 16-hour days to figure out how to stop working 8 hours a day. Yep. And and I definitely realized that in the early years. Uh what I did was uh got QuickBooks and I figured out I tracked all my expenses down to the penny for a year. Everything and then I divided it by 12 and I figured out, okay, I need to make this much a month to live. And, and then for the next three years, I went out and just bought enough rental houses to cover that and then some extra. And at that point, I really slowed down a lot and I started to doing a lot more fun stuff, the stuff that I wanted to do, traveling, uh, go on a lot of fishing trips. Uh, I train a lot, so I'm, I'm in the gym five, six days a week and I really enjoy myself uh, with the the benefits that real estates have provided. So um, I don't have kids, so that's, you know, there's nobody after me. So all the money I get, I can spend on myself. So it's not like I'm, I'm, I'm building something for, you know, other people to pass on to. You selfish bastard. I am. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just not done spoiling myself. (laughs) I love it. I love it. So, okay. So you are, uh, you're, you've built basically, I mean, it sounds like a, a pretty nice lifestyle real estate business is what it sounds like. Well, I mean, the perfect example is, uh, I went back and forth with Brendan for, I don't know how many emails about, can you do this at nine? Absolutely yeah. out of the question. <laughs> how about nine 30? Uh, dude, I do not get out of bed before 10 and I have to set my alarm. <laughs> <laughs> Must be rough, Aaron. Must be rough, man. It, you know, it's lifestyle by design. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, so what would you say a typical week? I mean, you, you know, a lot of investors are out there trying to do, you know, 40, 60, 80 hours of, of real estate work. What, do you, what how much, how much uh, work are you putting in these days? Uh, maybe four or five hours a day tops. But a lot of that time is, is, uh, we do marketing like a lot of other guys on the site. You'll see the, the yellow letters and stuff like that. We we're involved in that same stuff. When I say we're, it's just me and my wife. I don't have any other partners at this time. Uh, so we do a lot of the marketing and uh, a, a lot of the time I spend during the day is just follow-up calls, comping out houses, uh, the rental portfolio. I actually hired a girl to deal with all that so I don't have any of the maintenance issues. All those calls go to her. I don't deal with the lease-ups, anything like that. So um, you know, I spend a lot of time messing around on Facebook and reading blogs on fishing and things like that. <laughs> the, the real estate You learn a lot about real estate from those fishing blogs, huh? <laughs> well, you know – the beauty of that is, uh, and this is an interesting story, and it's a great tip for your listeners. Surround yourself with the type of people that you, you want, like you want to become. So, I have found that if you surround yourself with guys who sit on the couch and smoke pot, it's easy to fall in that 
that habit of sitting on the couch smoking pot playing video games all day but if you surround yourself with guys who are going on you know one week long fishing trips they're going to pull you up because they want you to go on those one week long fishing trips as well so here's a perfect example uh, a friend and I wanted to go to Patagonia and that's the southern part of South America it's Chile and Argentina and we're going to go this year and uh he flipped me a wholesale deal he he bought two houses for 140 each. He put one on the market for 195. Didn't do anything to it. Got an offer for 220. The other one he gave to me and said, "Wholesale this. Anything you get out of it, we'll split, and we'll use that money to go to Patagonia." And I wholesaled it for 10,000. So we each got five grand to cover our trip. Nice. He didn't have to do that. He could have listed it, but he wanted to go on that trip with me because I go fly fishing with him all the time. So he nice. gave me the deal, and we're gonna go. Nice. So, now, they will you, pull you up. Do you also go skiing in the Alps? Because I'll do a, I'll split a deal with you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't, but I will go with you if you flip me a house. <laughs> <laughs> to anybody listening, you want to go on a fun trip? Flip them a house. <laughs> tip, tip, flip me a house. We can go on a trip. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So, so speaking of flipping, do do you actually do any kind of flipping, house flipping, or or like, just like really fix wholesale fixing and flipping? Yeah. yeah. You know, in the beginning, I flipped a lot of houses, and and that was my main business model. And I bought from wholesalers. I think I think that's the easiest, in my opinion, in real estate. I've done a lot of different things. I think buying houses from rehabbers is, I mean, uh, from wholesalers is the easiest way to get in this business. I think being a rehabber is the easiest part of real estate because essentially you just have to be a project manager. You can let a wholesaler do all the marketing, the negotiation, the contracts, the estimation of rehab, the appraisal. You know, They basically tell you, bring in this much money, spend this much on rehab, and sell it for this, and here's your profit. So you can hire a contractor. You can borrow money from a hard money lender. You can hire an agent to sell the house for you. All you have to do is be a project manager. So that's what I did. And now I only rehab and flip houses if there's a substantial profit involved. I have one in escrow now that should net about 60000 And I did one earlier this year that uh, we brought in about 90000 from that. So if it's, if it's less than fifty, I'll probably just wholesale it. Got it. And, and, and how do you find – I mean there's a lot of crappy wholesalers out there, right? I mean like I would say vast majority of them. So, not the people who listen to the show. Not the people who listen to the show, no. <laughs> and I would, Brandon I would is agree. not talking about you. <laughs> I, I would agree with Brandon. Yeah, there's a lot of bad wholesalers out there. Yeah, of course. So how do you find how do you find a good wholesaler? I mean, like, how did you find yours? Uh, you know, reputation. Going to a lot of local real estate clubs and, and talking to sorry, I get my calls into my office here and I, <laughs> I couldn't figure out how to shut my phone off. So uh, it's, all right. <laughs> um, it's, it's all good. Don't uh, worry about it. I, I, I went to a lot of real estate clubs and, and uh, just listened and talked to people and tried to find the most reputable person I could. And when I found that person, and this was I, this is a great tip, don't do what I did. I, I met the guy at a, a luncheon and he I, I, I said, hey, look, I'm looking to buy a house and I got some cash. And so he just wrote down a piece of paper and address. And I just said, yeah, it's sold. I didn't comp it. I had no idea what I was getting into. <laughs> but I just knew he had such a good reputation from so many people that said, yeah, this is the guy to go to. He's the best. He's the best buyer in Southern California. And, and I actually bought that house. I made 26 grand on my first deal. So, wow. And it took about five weeks. So, wow. Nice. Um, yeah, so reputation. Was, was that a flip? The, it sounds like then. Yeah, rehab and flip. And then after that, I just started buying everything from – and this was in 2006, 2007 when most people were, were dropping out of the business and I was still buying and flipping houses. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Okay. Did, you, did you suffer the crash at all then? I mean like during that time? 
Uh, it only affected me on a couple of the rentals that I held. I, I bought two properties and I held on to them. I should have flipped them, but uh, I was trying to build a portfolio of rental houses. I still have them today and they do cash flow, but I lost a lot of equity and ended up being upside down in them. But I'm getting good cash flow out of both houses. And that's net. When I talk about cash flow, I'm not talking about mortgage minus uh, you know, rent. It's The net cash flow on them is, is it's enough that justifies keeping them even though I'm upside down to both of them. Yeah. Gotcha. yeah. And gotcha. We'll, we'll definitely touch on the cash flow thing a little bit later. I got that on my agenda to ask you about because I read some stuff on that you had written on the site earlier. So anyway, but before well, we get what? Let me just uh, real, real quick. Sorry, yeah. Brandon, let me talk about one thing that uh, I, I think it's important yeah. and especially in a, either a sideways or a down market. Uh, and this is the mistake I made. And it's where I lost a lot of money is that I bought a product and I, and I would flip anything from mobile homes to mansions. I've done it all. Uh, I, I was, uh, looking at a mobile home and one of my friends said, don't buy it, don't buy it. I just did one. It was a bad deal. And I had done a bunch of them and I still to this day carry a lot of paper on mobile homes and, and it, it's a great income source. But uh, I bought a mobile home in a senior park in Orange County, which has about $850 a month spent, uh, space rent. And in the declining economy, a lot of seniors, they're invested in the stock market, their dividends go down. I really pigeonholed myself into the narrowest buyer market there is. And because of that, we, we lost about 20000 on that mobile home, which is, you know, it's unbelievable. But uh, we were only into the thing for about forty, and we ended up selling it for, I think, like ten or fifteen. We really took a, a bath on the house. So you're so, talking about just when you're, when you're buying, looking at the demographics uh, of the area, potentially, things like, you know, se- senior mobile parks and that kind of stuff. And, and- I just... Yeah, I just think you can't go wrong with a three-bedroom, one- or two-bath, single-story house with a two-car garage. You just can't go wrong with that product. It's the most in-demand product in the country. It has the largest uh, number of buyers that want it. It's easy to rent. It's easy to sell. There's tons of financing for it. So if you're getting started in the business, if you stick with that, you really – you beat the – you're 90% ahead of the game. It's it's the best product to, to invest in, in my opinion. Yeah, that's good advice. Very, very good advice. Yeah. Um, all right. So, so let's let's start kind of digging in a little bit, and and uh, why don't we why don't we start a little with with wholesaling? Uh, so, so for those people who are listening who don't know what it is, really, really quickly, you know, tell us what what is a wholesale? What, how do you what is wholesaling? Okay, perfect example is I send you uh, a marketing piece and you respond. So Joshua, you call me up and say, yeah, I got a house and uh, I, I'm looking for two things. I'm looking for equity and motivation. And you have to have both. If you don't have both, you might have tons of equity, but if you're not motivated, it's not a deal. I can't do anything with you. And you might be super motivated. You could be the most motivated person in the world, but if you have no equity, there's <laughs> nothing I can do. Yeah. And, and I get that a lot from people. They'll go from real estate club to club, dragging around this deal where there's no equity, and they're like, well, how do I make a check out of this? And I see that a lot with new people on the site. So look for equity. Look for motivation. You get the property under contract, and you have an assignable contract. And the way I do that is with a simple clause, which says, buyer's vesting to be determined in escrow. That's the clause I use. It's right in my one-page contract that I send out. So once we get in escrow, then I might call Brandon up and say, Brandon, I got this deal. I'm asking uh, 150 on it. And actually, I do something a little different. I say, hey, check out this house. Tell me what you'll pay for it. And a lot of a lot of buyers don't like that method. They're like, well, you should tell me what you want. Mm. And and I don't. I said, well, look, here's, here's the house. You tell me what you'll pay. And a lot of times, I get a much more than well, I ever Oh, yeah. That's a great negotiation tactic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I've done multiple $30,000, $45,000 wholesale deals because I've done it that way. So I call a brand and say, here's the house. Go check it out. Tell me what you pay for it. 
and I haven't seen it. I don't go look at it. Some some wholesalers do, but I don't because I figure if Brandon's the one buying it, he's the one who needs to go look at the house. So he'll go by, he'll look at the house, he'll comp it out, he'll tell me, yeah, this is what I would pay. And then uh, I call up escrow and say, yeah, here's my buyer. So they'll send the grant deed to Joshua with uh, the Brandon's entity as the the uh, the grantor or grantee. Yeah, grantee. So. so you're saying you never actually step foot inside these wholesale deals? In the last uh, three, four years, I have done probably 100 houses, if not more. And I have never looked at any of them or gone inside any of them. I never, I never met any of the sellers. I do it all over the phone, and and I'm going to go one step further and say that I've probably written less than five contracts. That, that blows my mind. Explain that. So, with Joshua, we're we're negotiating for a house, and I say, well, look, I'll give you a hundred thousand for your house, and he's like, okay, that's fine, and and uh, I I I try not to pay the closing costs, and. And we used to always offer, hey, we're going to pay all your closing costs. And then, you know, I realized how much money that was. So we went on to uh, uh, eBay and we bought Monopoly money. And every time I felt the urge to say, well, I'll pay all your closing costs, thinking it was going to finish the deal, I'd slap a couple $500 bills on the table and be like, yeah, I'm not going to do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> keep some Monopoly money on your desk. That's a great tip. Go to eBay, get some Monopoly money, put it on your desk. And, and, and when you're talking about those dollar numbers, throw those out, you know, those add up, yeah. and look at it. It's like, man, do I really want to do that? Do I want to give away all that? So anyways, I would, I would make an agreement with Joshua over the phone. And then I would just email escrow. Here's the seller. Here's the address. Here's his address, his email, his phone number. These are the terms that we agreed to. She types up the escrow docs and immediately sends them out because the escrow documents supersede the contract. It, it, we might have a signed contract, but the escrow docs go out differently, and he signs that. That that signed escrow doc is going to be more important than the contract that we originally signed. So we'd can have to go ex- back. Can you change. explain that in, in a little more detail? Why why is that? Well, the yes, the the offer is just the instructions for escrow. But it's actually the escrow documents that you know title's going to use, and that they're going to record the deed and stuff like that. So they're they're more powerful than the offer itself. So I just don't even do it. It's it's I don't want to send you an offer and wait for you to sign it and then send it back to me. Maybe in that time you've gotten two or three more letters. You might have called a couple of people and and got high offers, and then you say, well, you know, I'm going to cancel. And and now I don't have you in escrow. I have nothing from you. But if I get uh, escrow docs FedExed out to you today, we make an agreement today, and I can get escrow to type that stuff out and FedEx it out today or tomorrow at the latest. And you get that, you sign it, you send it back. You're in escrow. You're tied up. You're not going to go somewhere else. You're not even going to consider talking to other people. Well, what about what about like the earnest money? Do you have to put like a you know a dollar down, like they say, or whatever? I, I've never done an earnest money deposit. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah. We just wire in the full amount. So you know, it's funny. It's, even with REOs, I've never. I've done a bunch of REOs. I've never done an earnest money deposit with REOs. I always tell them, "Oh, we're just going to wire the full amount in." So we're waiting on on escrow to tell us what that is, and it's always like a two or three week delay. And I've always gotten out of putting in an earnest money deposit. All right. So so walk me through this because you know this this is something that I've I haven't heard anyone else doing this. I'm I'm sure plenty of people do, but I I just haven't heard it. So you now go. You've, uh, you know, you talk to me and I've got this house that I'm, I'm, you know, I, I want to unload and, uh, you know, we agree to a hundred grand or whatever it is. And you now go to your escrow company and you have them type up docs. They send that to me. I sign the docs. I then send those docs back. 
And then what happens? Like at what point do you start marketing it? How, do, how does the process kind of work from that point? Well, here's probably where I'm different than a lot of other wholesalers as well too. I basically sell to one guy and he buys everything that I have. And he's a guy who rehabs and flips. He's got a lot of rental properties and he always pays me a great price. He never complains. And for me, that's the most important. I, I have the philosophy that I got from the guy that I learned to do business from is you bought what I bought. So don't call me and complain that there's a failed septic system or whatnot, because if I'd bought the house, I'd have the same problem. So you bought what I bought and, and he understands that. So uh, I will, as soon as I get an agreement from you, Joshua, I would immediately email him and tell him, Hey, I got this guy. He's on the hook for a hundred grand. Uh, again, what would, I would you pay? Yeah. I just say, Hey, I got this guy. Here's the address. What would you pay? It's rented. The tenants in there on a month to month, you know, it's not a lease. It's month to month and they pay well and they're a thousand dollars a month. And then he'll email me back and say, I, I could do 120 on that. I'll call escrow, I'll email escrow and say, here's the buyer. He's in at 120. So he wires in the one. So she types up the grant deed with his entity and then sends the docs out. The seller signs the grant deed, gets it notarized, pays the 10 bucks, puts it in the FedEx envelope, sends it all back. She deeds the property to him, uh, to my buyer. He, you know, he's going to wire in the, the 120 and plus his closing costs. And then escrow sends me a check for the 20,000. And how long does this process take? I try to do all my deals in under 10 days and that's working days. So I, I always tell people I can get you your money in 10 days or less, but that's working days. So it's two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> so nice. A little marketing, right? So if I were to, today's Wednesday, if I were to lock something up today, I would uh, try to close by next Friday. I want to do it quick. You know, you can't steal in slow motion. You got to be fast. So what, what happens with, with a, a newer investor, right? New, new guy says, Oh, I'm listening to Aaron. This guy knows what he's talking about. Sounds like a great idea. He goes, he ties up a property, does the, uh, you know, gets the closing docs, gets all that tied up, and then he can't find a buyer. That's a tough one. If you can't find a buyer, then I really think that the property is probably not that good of a deal because there are tons of people out there starving for inventory right now in all markets. So if you can't find somebody to buy that, it, it's probably not a great deal and you need to go back and renegotiate it. And what I would say, and that's happened to me one time, I bought a house, the woman told me it was on a dirt road, she said they were going to pave the road, and when we did some more research, called the city up, they said, no, we have no intention of ever paving that road. Uh, so I went back to her and said, you know, look, my money lender, my, the guy who funds me, I'm not a rich guy, I don't have pockets of drags on the ground. He told me the most he'll will willing to lend me on this house is this much. So, you know, either you can agree to that and we can get this closed, I'll get you paid. And always focus on when when I'm negotiating, I always try to focus on the outcome for the seller. Look, I can stuff your pockets with cash by next Friday if you agree to this. Uh because here's what we found out. And if they accept it, then I get a lower price, we go back and try to sell the house again. Are there so do you have any outs then? I mean, you know, if if you couldn't find a buyer, you know, how do you re renegotiate if if the closing docs are already signed? I'm a buy and hold guy and I will rehab and flip. So when I make an offer, I have n never an intention out. Uh th that one deal is the only one I think I've ever backed out on and be she did tell me they were planning on paving the road and the city said no. So that's a pretty legitimate uh, reason not to buy a house. I, I don't want to own a house on a dirt road in a, in an urban area. Yeah. So, 
because I don't have a contract signed and I just call her up and say, yeah, I, I changed my mind. I'm out. I'm, I'm not going to close on it. And it's not an issue. Okay. Uh, so that works for you. Now, what would you say again, back to the, the, the new investor who hears about this and, and wants to try it? Yeah, I, I guess it kind of goes back to if it's a deal, then it's going to sell. It, yeah, it, absolutely. And this is really a relationship business. You guys know that. You're in real estate. Uh, a lot of us do business on our word. Uh, between If you and I, Josh, went out and bought a house, I'm sure we, we wouldn't go to a lawyer and be like, yeah, we need everything in writing about every possible outcome. We would just have a friendly agreement, maybe shake hands and say, hey, let's buy this house. This is how it's going to work. And I've done that. I have 18 houses, 18, 19 houses that I own with other people. And and some of them have multiple people involved. And we don't have very many written. I think three of them have written agreements. So it's the relationship business. And I work with people that I really trust. I know nobody that I deal with is going to go behind my back and steal a deal from me because they, they look at all the future opportunities they're going to lose. And a lot of new people, they get so caught up on uh, you know, and the documents and the out, I need to get out of this. And I don't, you know, what if it doesn't work out? If you make an offer, you, you should be embarrassed to make that offer. And if you're not, you're probably offering too much. Yeah. Um, I, somebody told me that when I first got started and I never really took it to heart until I, maybe a couple of years ago. Cause like, yeah, I was, when I would offer on a property, I would get nine out of 10 of them that I offered on. And there's something wrong when you get, <laughs> yeah, there's something you're wrong. You're a great buyer. Yes. Yeah. They, my agent loved me, but. But yeah, no, agents are bringing bring that bring it to Brandon. That dude <laughs> loves to pay too much. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what it was. Yeah, I was paying way too much, and uh, you know, one of those reasons was because I I used to underestimate ARV like or uh, the repair cost. I guess was I used to underestimate repair costs like crazy. So I'd be like, oh, I can get this done for twenty grand, and then by the time it was done, it would end up being thirty five. And I, you know, to a degree, I still do that today, and I'm always way over optimistic, and I have to get multiple. Uh, you know, uh, different opinions, but so do you have any, I guess, uh, suggestions on guys like me? I mean, how do you find out, how do you know the repair costs and how do you know the ARV if you're not even stepping foot in the home? You know, I think it just comes from experience being in the business long enough that, and I've been doing this for about 10 years now. So, uh, when you've done enough houses uh, for me, I can look at the outside of the house. The outside is going to be a pretty good indication of what the inside looks like. If the lawn's dead and burnt and there's you know, dog holes dug everywhere and there's a broken window. The inside is probably trashed even worse. I mean, people generally don't live like Kings inside and live like, uh, you know, uh, peasants on the outside. So if I look at a house, I look at the square footage, I have a pretty good budget uh, or a pretty good idea of what it's going to take me to rehab and flip a house in, in, regardless of the market that I'm in. And again, it's just experience. If you don't understand, uh, estimating rehab, Go to Home Depot on a Saturday and walk around and talk to people. There's free seminars. They'll teach you this stuff. You, you know, Go in and price out cabinets. I say a great place to start is with your own house. Look at your house. Measure the square foot uh, in the bedrooms and figure out uh, what it's going to cost to put carpet in, what it's going to cost to paint, how much a new kitchen in your house would cost. And, and then uh, figure out, all right, on my house, a total rehab, it's a thousand square foot and it's going to cost me 25 grand to rehab. So my, my, my number is $25 per square foot. So if I use $25 a square foot on this other house, that should be a pretty good, uh, you know, within a, uh, uh, within reason, uh, a, a good number to work with. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And, and also, you know, just, just to give a little, little plug to the, uh, bigger pockets book on estimating rehab costs from, uh, Jay Scott. Uh, it's a, it's a great, uh, it's a great book with, uh, lots of, uh, information to help out. And maybe you should read it one of these days, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm, I think maybe, maybe I, I should read it too. <laughs> it's uh, biggerpockets.com slash flipping book, or you can find it on Amazon. Uh, we, we sell it with our uh, Bigger Pockets book on flipping houses. So, uh, yeah, so, yeah. so what about ARV? I mean, like determining what it's going to be worth in the end. Are you just doing county rec? I mean, Zillow, or I mean, what are you doing to find out the value? But, uh, well, I have access to the MLS and. Being in real estate and a real estate investor and not having access to your multiple listing service, it, I would say it would be the equivalent of being a plumber and not owning a wrench. <laughs> you might be able to fix those pipes with your bare hands, but it's not going to be fun. <laughs> so do you, have, do you have a license or, or do you just I, have – I am a licensed real estate broker and I disclose that to all the people I do business with. It's actually on my mailers that I put in there. I'm a broker, but I'm a cash buyer. I'm not looking to list your house. I think I've listed and sold one house that didn't belong to me. Uh, just not a business. You know, as a broker, uh, the one house that I listed and sold, you sit at the closing table, theoretically, and you see a, a grant deed to a free and clear house go across the table one way and a big pile of cash go across the table the other way. And the end, end result of that is you get a tiny, tiny check that's taxed at the highest rate. I don't know why yes. anybody would ever want to be a real estate broker. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Um yeah, that's really good. I mean, people ask that question all the time on the site. Like, should I get my real estate license? Should I not? And I would say the vast majority of our guests anyway say that you should. And I've said I, it before. I think you should. Yeah. Yeah, I think you should. Uh, you're a real estate investor. You're a professional. It, it just adds to the credibility. But, you know, use it smartly. You Be be wise about it. And, and there's a lot of other things you can do. When short sales got popular, I jumped in and did a bunch of those because I'm a broker. I was allowed to do that. And I did a bunch of short sales and made a grip of money on it. It was a, it was a really fun uh, strategy that we did for a short period of time. But then I heard the FBI started to investigate these people, and that's when we backed off. I said, yeah, I don't really want any part of that. So uh, you know, I, I got out of the short sale business. But at the time, it was a, a very easy way to make some extra money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So, so motivated sellers. You know, I you, you had mentioned yellow letters. What uh, what other techniques do you use? I've done everything from radio advertisements to uh, signs on the side of the road, uh, bandit signs, uh, door hangers. My truck was all uh, painted up at one time. Uh, I, I I've done tons and tons of different strategies. I find that mailing out letters or postcards for me is the easiest way to hit the exact property that I want to buy and not have any, uh, like with internet advertising, perfect example, we used to do spam before spam was illegal and we sent out millions of emails a month and I averaged, you I averaged, son of a, <laughs> that was and, and it just said, you know, uh, we hired a guy to do it and it was, it cost us probably about $4,000 a month to send a million emails a month. And it would just hit everybody in, in – I guess they would go by IP address or something. I really know how all that works. But he would hit our, our market and uh, we'd get about – on average, 150 leads a month. But there would be 130 people that were just you know mobile homes in parks in the middle of the desert, just real crap, junky leads. And, and I didn't want to waste my time pre-screening all those calls. So I do direct marketing for properties that I want to buy. When my phone rings, I know that – the seller might not be motivated and there might not be equity, but essentially that's a house that I'd be, I would be willing to own because it's a, a two to four bedroom, 800 to 1500 square feet. It was built after 1940. Uh, it's a single story house. You, you can, in California, I know in some other markets like Texas, it's a little bit more difficult to get that data, but I think you can buy that through. There's some people who talk about list servers. Uh, 
uh, or list brokers that will sell you the information. And so we market to people that they own the type of property that I want to own. That's really, really, really good advice. I, I think, you know, if, if you stop and, and ponder it a little bit, I, you know, is there any better way to target people with the exact specs uh, that, that you're looking for than direct mail? And I, I can't think of them. I really can't think of any, any other way uh, that, that would potentially be. Yeah, I, I guess you can do door hangers on, on those same properties. But, you know, other, otherwise, I mean, that's, that's really about it, isn't it? Well, that's why I really don't consider myself a real estate investor. I consider myself a marketer who invests in real estate yeah. because marketing is my job. I, I don't sit here all day long working in real estate. I, I spend the majority of my time working on marketing, trying to write good letters, putting together good copy. I spend a lot of time reading forums that I have to do with uh, real estate copy and reading on, on bigger pockets. People are sending letters. One of my favorite things is to go to uh, the, the top right-hand corner, and I mentioned that in a lot of blog, uh, in a lot of posts. Hey, why don't you go to the top right-hand corner and search for this? And you know, go and put in yellow letters there, and you can write a book on the information available uh, on bigger pockets just on the content for yellow letters. There's a lot of great information there. Are those, yeah. those motivated sellers calling you right that, there? That's what I was going <laughs> to say. So his phone doesn't stop. Yeah, that, that, that is. It's a, that's a 951, so that's a Riverside caller. Nice. So it's nice. like this all day, but it, it's the number of mail, that, the, the quantity of mail that we send out keeps the phone ringing. So, all right. So you're you're sending out yellow letters. I want to I want to go into some detail in this. And we did a lot of this with uh, our podcast with Jerry Puckett. I'm wondering what are you doing specifics in terms of yellow letter response rate? I mean, are you tracking how many letters are you sending out in order to get back a call? And then how many calls do you take in order to make a deal happen? Do you have those numbers? Uh, you know, I don't. I used to have. A, I, I had a partner before, and he had developed some in-house software. And it went nuts. It tracked everything down to the the hundredth of a cent on what we spent, and all. And and that information was really cool to look at. But at the end of the day, you know, I I didn't see the 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 grand value in that. In knowing that, oh, I need to send five hundred letters to get ten calls to buy one house. I just consistently send at minimum a hundred letters a day, and I buy a lot of houses. And I don't think that. Uh, you know, if I knew that, well, if I send a hundred letters a day, I can buy a house a week. That's great information. But being a single guy working this business, you know, just me and my wife and she doesn't answer the phones. I couldn't handle the volume of calls if I got more than what I'm getting now. So sending 200 letters a day is not going to give me, uh, any greater, uh, return because I, I can't stick with, I can't keep up with what I have. And I don't want to hire somebody because I don't want to, uh, I don't want a job. I don't want to be responsible for giving somebody else a job. So you know, now I'm, you know, I, I'm now I'm not concerned about feeding myself. Now I'm concerned about feeding this person's family and making sure there's enough income coming in to take care of them. I don't want that. And I want to be able to leave tomorrow on a trip if somebody calls me up and says, "Hey, let's go here," and I can go. I don't have to worry about it. And that happens quite often in my life, where we'll just uh, perfect example is a guy emailed me two days ago and said, Hey, I found this deal. Let's go to Cabo fly fishing for four days. So I, I immediately responded. Yeah, I'm in, let's do it. Nice. So sounds good. I uh, now I don't remember the question I just had. Um, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I got it. I got it. <laughs> so <laughs> early Alzheimer's. 
you know the sad part is is that the faces Joshua makes <laughs> and look at that people can't see this <laughs> because the the video interaction is the best part of this podcast. <laughs> I know people people are missing out here. All right, well, the, the question I had was so postcards versus yellow letters and are you doing them yourself? Are you printing them on your little, you know, Canon printer you got from Walmart for 30 bucks or what are you doing? Uh, it's a it's a Hewlett Packard. Nice. <laughs> and I don't stop at Walmart for anything. <laughs> I I used to outsource all that stuff when, when I had another partner and and we were going gangbusters. We had a couple of girls doing all that stuff, and and now I scaled back everything. Uh, I I broke up with that partnership. I basically just fired him because I, he's a great guy, and I really enjoyed doing business with him. But I got tired of giving away half. So yeah. I, I, if I do less work, I can essentially make the same amount of money if I keep it all. So I just got in January, actually, I was on vacation in Thailand and India and I was gone for, I was supposed to be gone for four weeks and about the three and a half week into this, I just decided, I don't think I'm going to go back to the States anytime soon. So I emailed him and just said, yeah, I'm not coming back for another two weeks. And, and I stayed longer and then I came back and I just never went back to the office. I just said, yeah, I'm, I'm over it, dude. Let's, uh, let's wrap it up. So yeah, we do everything in house. My wife and I take care of it all. It's really simple. It doesn't take that long to do. Uh, I just print out one page letters and I think you should do a combination of letters and postcards and there's no magic formula. A lot of this is your letter getting to that person on the day they decide to sell. Because I talked to a lot of people that say, well, I got four letters last week, but they called me. And it, and it's not because of what my message said or, you know, sometimes it is, but more often than not, it just happens to be that they got maybe tired of getting letters and they got mine and just said, to heck with it, I'm over it. I want to sell this house. So yeah. um, you, you should do, I, I the, the least expensive uh, way to get a, a lead is through a postcard, obviously. Very inexpensive to mail postcards. You can do a high volume at low cost. So I would recommend starting with postcards and then when you get leads that come in that you don't convert, switch them up to a more intense letter campaign. So maybe with a one or two page letter uh, uh, attacking some of those points that they brought up in the conversation you had with them or or just uh, tying it into the original postcard and, and then maybe send them once a month for four or five months. And if you don't convert them at that point, then switch them back to your postcard campaign where you're hitting them every six months. Let me let me cut you off here. All right, so you had you had mentioned using your letter to to respond to some of their um, you know uh, counterpoints on on selling to you. Uh, sounds like you're individualizing those letters. Then I mean, you, are you putting out a hundred letters a week that are completely individualized like that? Well, there's there's only so many reasons why people sell. So one is they have a bad tenant. Uh, another one is they rented the property, uh, well, in their opinion, they rented it, but they never got any rent to a relative. So they allowed a relative to move in and freeload on them. Yeah. So you might want to write a couple of letters that address those individual uh, situations. Maybe the house needs a ton of repairs. Maybe they've gotten some code enforcement problems. So maybe they're having problems with the neighbors. Whatever the, whatever the situations are in your market where you hear these things consistently that's allowing you to buy houses – uh, I have a woman, she has a ton of credit card debt and she wants to sell the rental house to pay off the credit card debt. And the first thing I threw at her was, why don't you just refi? She's like, well, I have this debt and it's not allowing me. And I'll try to help people out before I, I move their equity onto my, my, uh, you know, uh, asset list. So, um, you know, you might have a, a letter that's specifically written for people who have a lot of debt and 
then you just drop that person's name into a spreadsheet associated with that letter or that that motivation, and then you can mail that whole list at one time. So I just use Excel, real simple. We used to have an Access database, and it tracked all the different campaigns. I just use a simple Excel spreadsheet for my different campaigns, and you do a mail merge. It's so simple and easy. Anybody can do this. You go on YouTube and watch videos on how to do a mail merge. It's extremely easy to set up a marketing campaign. Yeah, that's great. And and in terms of frequency, what uh, what are you doing with that? So you'll send out your yellows, your postcards. How often are you sending? How often are you hitting these people? Uh, postcards, I like to do four times a year. So if you get a list of, uh, say you get a list of 13,000 names and uh, you mail 1,000 postcards, which would cost you probably about 500 bucks, you mail uh, uh, 1,000 postcards uh, a week for 13 weeks, then you can start those people over again. So you can hit them, a list of 13 names is good for four hits a year. And then when they call, if you don't close them, move them to a more intense letter campaign and mail to those people once a month. Got it. Got it, got it. Um, and and you had mentioned acquisition of of these names. So are you are you buying uh, from from ListSource uh, the the website ListSource, or are you you using other sources for your lists? I, I get them from the title company. So the title company provides me a list, and uh, I, I don't know if that's available. I think in in Texas it's not. You can't get that because it's a non disclosure state or um, something like that. But uh, here in California, I can just call up the, or email the title company, and they'll actually send me a list, and yeah. they can scrub it down pretty good. They can't get you uh, trust deeds. They used to be able to give us that, so we would ask for a list of uh, of names where they hadn't had a trust deed recorded in 10 years, which means they hadn't borrowed any money against the property in 10 years, but we can't get that anymore. However, you still can buy those names from list source. Personally, I found that the two lists – uh, they, there just wasn't any any big difference in the number of uh, return mail between the two. The number of Nixies was was pretty consistent, regardless of whether I paid for list or got it for free. Um, and then I I use uh, I actually went on Fiverr. I don't know if people use that or not, but F I V E R R. Uh, it's just a website where you can hire people to do stuff for you. And I hired some guy in Pakistan to create a bunch of SQL queries. And so I, uh, I I installed SQL Server on my computer and uh, run a bunch of SQL queries against the list, and I can scrub the list in a couple of minutes. So nice. I can scrub a list of sixteen thousand names in a couple of minutes, and and it'll 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 spit it out to a list of of ready to be marketed to names. I, I'm and, confused. I'm not a techie. What what does that mean? It's just a database. It's just basically you're you're querying a database, and you're saying, hey, give me these criteria. Yeah, yeah. So here's a perfect example. Say you have a mailing address. So you, you write a, a SQL query, which uh, would check for uh, repetitive mailing addresses. So if mailing address of line 1A is equal to line 2A through, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, the number is at the end of your list, uh, then it would move those names to another list and those would be multiple property owners. So people who own more than one house, you don't want to mail those people. You know, if you hit a guy who's got 10 houses, you don't want to send him 10 letters. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, That's yeah cool. i i used to use uh, I used to use title companies as well uh, when I was a uh, an agent in L.A. and it was great. It was easy. It was free. Just tell them what you want, and they would uh, they'd provide it for you. Uh, obviously, you know you don't want to abuse the privilege, but if you're uh, closing deals with them, then you know they're more than happy to to help you with it. Yeah, absolutely. Again, relationship business. If you're yep. doing business with the people and they like you, and you, you know you're putting money in their pocket, they're going to be more than happy to give you a list of. Of uh, of names for to help you with your business, so they can make more money. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Whenever I used to travel, I would get that creeping feeling that I locked my back door. How do I know my property is going to be safe while I'm away? But not anymore, thanks to Simply Safe Home Security. I'm about to go on a three week trip to Copenhagen, but am I tripping about my trip? Nope. With award winning security and peace of mind from Simply Safe, I don't need to worry. Simply Safe is a super amazing alarm system that I actually installed in my house myself personally in less than 30 minutes. And there's so much peace of mind knowing that there's something in place to protect my homes, my goods, and my John Mayer shrine. Simply Safe systems have high tech sensors that detect break ins, fires, and floods, indoor and outdoor cameras to keep watch night and day. 24-7 professional monitoring at less than $1 a day. Plus, Simply Safe professional monitoring agents can even help stop crime in real time by speaking to intruders through the wireless indoor camera. Hey, hey, bud, get out of here. It's like that, but it's a lot better, I imagine. And if you buy the system and you don't love it, you can get a full refund with Simply Safe's 60-day money-back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com/pockets. There's no safe like Simply Safe. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Every lender loves to talk about how easy it is to get a mortgage. Then when it's time to fund your next deal, they ask for your full financials, your blood type, your mother's famous spaghetti recipe, and a map to the fountain of youth. Sound familiar? You, you got all that handy, right? Why not switch to a lender who actually makes qualifying for a loan easy? A lender like Host Financial. Host Financial takes the tedious tax returns, endless W-2s, and time-consuming financial requests out of the picture. Their light dock and common sense underwriting guidelines mean frictionless transactions every time. You'll even be able to use the actual or projected income of the short-term or long-term rental you're looking to purchase or pull equity out of. That's what lending built for investors looks like. So take the next step and grow your portfolio faster. Visit hostfinancial.com to request a quote in as fast as 60 seconds, which is faster than this ad. If not, it's pretty close. That's host, H-O-S-T, financial.com. Again, that's host, H-O-S-T, financial.com. Real estate investing is great, but for some, the tenant phone calls and clogged toilets aren't all that attractive. So how do you invest in real estate without getting your hands dirty? Invest for truly passive income with Pine Financial Group. Pine's mortgage fund offers a targeted 8% preferred return and an attractive profit split with 70% of net profits going to the investors. You'll earn passive income by participating in lending to house flippers. And it's secure because senior lien holders, that's you, are first in line to get paid. Their rigorous underwriting process and the backing of a physical asset mitigate downside risk. 
Plus, by investing with Pine Financial Group, you contribute to the revitalization of communities by directing your funds from Wall Street to Main Street and supporting local economies. The investment is reserved for accredited investors. Don't miss this opportunity to back Main Street over Wall Street and start earning passive real estate income. Learn more about investing with Pine at pinefinancialgroup.com BP. pinefinancialgroup.com BP. All right, so so wholesaling, you know, let's let's jump back to it for a second here. So do you think new investors uh, should begin with wholesaling or or do you think that there's other uh, strategies they should focus on? Real quick, Brandon, you look really intense. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Response, did, did, you. did I say something that you're just like really dwelling on I can help you out with? <laughs> I honestly was. I was no, I was sitting there thinking, I'm like I'm like, I wonder, I got to call my title company later. And I know this one lady there, I have a good relationship with her. Like I, I was totally playing that whole scenario in my mind of what this afternoon is going to look like. So, okay, good, good. Anyway, well, no, I'm, this I'm is really good. At least you're getting something out of this. So <laughs> no, I, I will tell you, Aaron, that not a show goes by where Brandon and I have those faces and where we yep. look at each other. And, you know, we, we do write notes to each other in between so that we can communicate um, and not disturb the conversation. But there's always a, wow, that was great, that was a good yeah. idea kind of moment in every one of these shows. So uh, yeah. sounds like you, you busted them. Okay, so <laughs> um, no problem. Uh, with um, uh, wholesaling, you asked me about wholesaling, and I definitely want to address that. Um, I think, in my opinion, wholesaling is the top of the market, I mean, you're, or the top of the pack. If you're a wholesaler, uh, you have good deal flow, and, and that's key in this business. A lot of people struggle with deal flow, so they're always like, well, I got this one going, and I'm looking around for something else. And or, or if they're trying to make a deal out of something that's obviously not a deal, the only reason why they're doing that is because they don't have enough leads. So they're so focused on something that is is not a lead. It's 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 really garbage. And I'll you'll see me post on the site about that sometimes. You know, I just and I don't mean to come off rough. I'm I'm a pretty happy go lucky guy. I try to <laughs> a lot of comedy in everything. <laughs> I, you know, I'm laughing on my end. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so, uh, you know, wholesaling. You have to be an expert in five areas to be a really good wholesaler: marketing, negotiation, contracts, estimating rehab, and appraisal. Because you have to put together a deal. You First of all, you have to put together a good marketing piece to get people to call you or, or to respond to your marketing piece. Then you have to negotiate with the people to be able to buy the property at a deep enough discount to put a spread in there for you and a profit for the person you're selling the house to. you got to be able to write up the contracts, uh, estimate the rehab so your buyer knows how much they should be spending on the house and then what the house ultimately is worth because everything starts with the ARV in this business. Everything starts with the after repair value and you just deduct from there. Uh, so I would never recommend people start as wholesalers and I think a lot of people say I'm going to be a wholesaler because they have no money or uh, they feel like it's the easiest way to do the business without getting any liability for themselves. They, they just see it as a, a quick way to a check. And there's plenty of people who go out and make money, but I, I don't think they're going to be able to build uh, a sustainable wholesaling business uh, that's going to produce a good income for them unless they learn all these other five areas that I addressed earlier and, and learn them well. And, and that's why I think it's the easiest thing to do, and I said it before, is, is to be a rehabber. Just go out, be a project manager, get inside on the jobs, learn all about rehabbing and flipping houses, 
and then step up to wholesaling, you'll be a much better wholesaler. You'll be able to create much bigger spreads for yourself. You'll pass along great deals to your buyers, and you can cherry pick the houses you want to keep as uh, ones to rehab and flip or as rental properties. And that's exactly what I did. I rehabbed a lot of houses before I stepped into wholesaling. And I got into wholesaling because we were able to we became great marketers. We studied a lot of marketing and a lot of negotiation, and I was able to elevate my deal flow to the level that I could pass along a lot of houses to other buyers and get checks, but still rehab and flip the really good deals. And uh, I was ultimately trying to build my rental portfolio because I knew as just a wholesaler, it's a job. Yep. I had no sustainable income. It was check to check to check, right? As just a rehabber, it's you just you created a job for yourself. All you're doing is, uh, you know, going out, you're rehabbing a house, you're working for a payday. But with rental properties, you don't have to do anything to get paid. You don't even have to be in this country. And every first of the month, your bank account will fill right back up and replenish itself. And that was my focus. Is to get out of the rehabbing, to get into holding the rentals, buy and hold as many houses as I could that would produce enough income for me to live my life on my terms and then really enjoy doing the rehab and flipping and the wholesaling. And a lot of times now I'll just pass along a house for a, a $1,000, $2,000, $5,000 check and I'm okay with that because I don't want to deal with the house and I'll take the payday. Yeah, yeah. that's that's great. Well, well let's, let's move towards that the buy and hold and, and – and watching the, the the checks come in, uh, you know, what do you look for in in a rental? I'm I'm assuming appreciation is is not something you're not a gambler. I, I'm assuming you're uh, somebody who's looking for a steady flow of cash. Yeah, yeah. I, I want uh, I want a good rentable house in a working class neighborhood. I find that those people move the less. So a, a real good blue collar neighborhood. Uh, those people move the less. They they stay long term. They set up roots. They fill the garage with crap. They get their kids in the local school, and they never go anywhere. So my ideal rental would be a three bedroom, two bath, single story, about eleven to twelve hundred square foot on a on an average size lot. And for me, that's probably about six thousand square feet with a two car garage in a good school district. I think that's absolutely the best rental house you can own. And and the key to that is uh, just getting the good financing. That's really the most important thing is is to find the good financing. And oh, oh okay. And and are you uh, and let, we'll we'll talk about that in a second how to find the good financing, but do you have any criteria in terms of, you know, how much cash flow a property should ha- should have before you buy it or or what uh, what are you looking for? Yeah. Uh, well, I'm looking on any cash I have into a deal. I'm looking for a minimum of 20% return on my cash into it, and and I prefer it to be closer to 30 uh, as a minimum. Uh, and as far as uh, cash flow out of the house, I would like to have uh, you know $100 a, a month minimum net 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 cash flow. But uh, for me to get $100 a month, I mean, I really have to be into the house really light. Uh, or to accept $100 a month, I have to have almost no money into it. And I've actually done a lot of deals where I've been paid to buy the house because of the way we structured the financing. That's Scott, pretty nice. Can you explain that a little? Yeah, uh, here's a perfect example of one of uh, uh, the first deals I did uh, as a buy and hold. I, I like seller financing. I think uh, if you're not offering seller financing as the first strategy when you have a free and clear house or a house with a really low mortgage, then uh, you're really missing a big opportunity because I own a lot of seller financed houses. This guy had a $120,000 house. 
he uh, had lost his tenant, had to evict him. Somebody had broken, stole the copper plumbing out of the house. The the lawn went brown because they couldn't turn the water on. So uh, the city started finding him for a bad lawn. He responded to some marketing we sent out, and uh, I at that point he was about ready to let the house go to foreclosure and just get whatever net he would have gotten out of the foreclosure sale because he only owed thirty five thousand on the house. So what I agreed to do was buy the house for ninety five thousand. And the way I structured it is to take over subject to his existing first loan. He had a $35,000 first on the house that was really old. It was about 15 years old at the time. So that means high amortization, right? There's a lot of that monthly payment going towards principal reduction. So I said, I'll take over your first to 35000 I can't give you any money today because the house needs a ton of work and I got to go in and do all that and, and pay the city fines and deal with all that stuff. So there's going to be no cost to him. I would pay for everything, but I couldn't give him any money. However, I would protect his equity and I would give him a third position note of uh, 60,000. So I'm basically giving him a retail price. If you, if you figure a $120,000 house that needs work and I'm paying 95 for it, I'm like 80, 80 cents on the dollar without repairs being considered. So I'm really giving him a premium price. So I said, I'll give you uh, a note for 60000 on your equity, but uh, because I can't make any payments on that, I, I really got to get the house fixed up and I'm going to need to borrow money to do that. I took a $30,000 loan from a private lender, just a friend of mine. I put that person, because that's cash, that's more uh, important than equity in my opinion. I mean, cash is a real thing. Equity is a myth, right? I mean, you, you can't convert equity to cash unless somebody's willing to do something. So I put a $30,000 second on there. I fixed the house up. I used the thirty grand for the rehab for the closing costs, and that came to about twenty grand. So I got a $10,000 check at close escrow. And then the seller's equity went into third position, and I presented it to him like this. I said, look, as the house sits now, you're making payments about three fifty dollars a month uh, on your principal and interest payment. You have taxes. You have insurance. You have uh, maintenance and landscaping and all this other stuff you're not paying for. It's probably going to cost you somewhere in the neighborhood of $500 a month. But essentially, you have to go out and earn about $600 a month, pay taxes on that, be left with $500 to then hand over to your mortgage your tax, you know, the tax man, the tax collector, the insurance uh, premium, you got to pay all that. So really by me just taking this house over and protecting your equity, you're getting about a $500 a month net pay raise. And he agreed with that. He's like, yeah, that makes sense. I said, okay, so I don't need to make you payments. You're already getting a $500 a month pay raise because you don't have to pay all this other stuff on this vacant house. So let me have a few years to recoup some of my investment that I'm going to put into this house. And he said, okay, what do you want? And I said, well, I'd like to do five years. And he said, yeah, I can do that. So we went five years, no payments. And then when I do, when I did start to pay him, it was going to be $500 a month until paid in full. And his response was, well, I would like to be paid back quicker than that. I said, okay, so for the first five years, I'll give you $500 a month. And then for the, I'll pay you $600 a month until paid. And he's like, yeah, that works for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I got the house. I bought it for essentially $95,000. I took over the the first position loan of thirty five, which was rapidly amortizing down. I borrowed thirty grand from my private lender, uh, recorded that as a second against the house. I used the thirty thousand to rehab, fix the house up, bring the house current, pay the code enforcement violations, put ten grand in my pocket. I rented the house out for about I think we're at thirteen fifty a month. It was netting just over five hundred dollars a month, net 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 cash flow on that house, and I had no payments on this third until 
five years down the road. And when they do start to pay them, it's going to be principal only payments. So there are, every payment is 100% principal reduction. So oh. I've done several deals like that. And I really like that strategy. But anything seller financed, I actually have a house in escrow now. It's a six unit apartment building uh, here in uh, Riverside that I paid a half million for. And I put 10% down. He's giving me 90% financing on it. And that should cash flow about $1,000 a month when we close escrow. Nice. And and you said like net, net, net. How do you figure out like for those people? I mean, because that's a mistake a lot of people do is they take the total income minus the mortgage and that's what they think is their net cash flow, but it's really not. So how do you so, determine so, it? So you have uh, VimTim and it's vacancy, insurance, maintenance, taxes, and management. So those are your five expenses. And we budget in management. Even though I self-manage, what if I want to go to India for six months? Somebody's got to manage the property. So I have that management number built in there so I could turn it over to a property manager if I wanted to. So I budget in, uh, again, it's taxes, maintenance, vacancy, management, insurance are your five expenses that are associated with a rental house. And they're real expensive. If you're ever looking for, at, a, at a prospectus, you know, somebody's trying to sell you this rental house and they're telling you, oh, it's going to cash flow $200 a month, look for the vacancy factor. I guarantee it's not in there. Yeah. So check and make sure, hey, you know, I'm going to have vacancy of one month a year, 8.33%. So that's uh, 12 divided by, or one divided by 12 months, one year divided by 12 months, it comes out to 8.33%. And that's going to eat up your cash flow. Now you might not have that in your first year. Maybe the tenant stays two or three years, but then they move out. You got to go in and clean the place and get it re-rented. That might take you two or three months. You've now realized that vacancy factor. Now, what about CapEx? Uh, that's that's certainly something that uh, people want to plan for. How do you actually plan for expenses like new roofs and, and boilers and things? So when I buy a house, uh, we go in and do everything up front. So we're, we're going to go in and check the roof and check the, the water heater. And, and that's really the one that gets me the most is the water heater or sewer lines. I always get beaten up by the two of those. So, you know, sewer lines, you could go in and scope them out, but I, I'm not going to spend the money for that. I, I usually just take the risk and it does happen. But uh, water heaters, we always check those. Those go, you know, last year was the year of the water heater. I must have replaced five of them. Um, but we buy scratch and dent, so you get them much cheaper. Uh, and I recommend looking for a place in your in your uh, local economy that sells the scratch and dent water heaters. We certainly don't need a, a beautiful looking water heater in the garage, right? It just needs to boil water. So, point. yeah. So uh, up front, we're going to go in and replace everything, fix everything. We do tile floors in all the common area. That's kitchen, hallways, bathrooms, living room, all tile. And then in the bedrooms, we put carpet. So we call that islands of carpet. And the reason why we do that is, uh, you know, maybe the kid in one bedroom destroys the carpet. Well, I can just go buy scrap carpet and replace that, and I don't need to do the whole house over. It doesn't all have to match. Bedrooms can have different color carpet. So, uh, you know, we do all that. And then off the top, every month off the top, we take 10%, and we put that in a reserve account. I'm probably one of the few people who actually does that. But I have my uh, my assistant. She handles all the rent collection, and and uh, she does the uh, the books. She takes ten percent, puts it into a separate account, and then we use money from that to pay for repairs and pay for the property taxes. Nice. And you do all your own maintenance, or do you hire maintenance guys to do stuff? I have a licensed general contractor, and this is a great tip for anybody on the call. I have a one eight hundred number that I use, so the tenants call the one eight hundred number. I never take that call live. There's no reason why you should ever take a maintenance call live. Let's say the house is burning down. Why would they call you? Brandon, do you, do you have a fire truck? <laughs> Let, let's say the house has been robbed. Joshua, are you, are you a crime scene investigator? Why? What, what, do you, 
I uh, I play one <laughs> hey, on the side. I mean, what are we going to do for these people? Yeah, no, right? no, no, no. Call, call 911. Why are you calling me? The house is on fire. You should not be calling me, right? So I never take maintenance calls live. There's nothing they need that needs to be that, – that infects my time that it needs to be done today. So it goes to a, a 1-800 number, which then gets emailed to my assistant. She listens to the call. She contacts the uh, – she creates um, uh, a work order sends that to our general contractor, then he makes an appointment directly with the tenant because I don't want to be involved in that. I don't want to have to be there and you know show up or orchestrate between these two. I let him call her and then they figure it out. He goes out and takes care of the problem and then sends me an invoice and I can pay him uh, via bill pay online. And that's how I'm able to do this and still be on the beach in Thailand for six weeks. Yeah. No, I, I like about that is you kind of took yourself out of the equation. Like you're not a... You're not a wheel inside that whole equation. You removed yourself, and that's that's cool. And and that's the the the, the goal behind my business is I, I call it property management from the beach. If I can't do it on the beach, then somebody else should be doing it. So I want to be in another country, you know, on vacation, enjoying myself, and not be a slave to my rental rental properties. I'm not building a job. I'm building, you know, money. I'm building a passive income source, so I don't have to work. And that's that's why I did it that way, and it works really well. What about so, evictions or anything like that? Have you ever had to deal with those? And uh, if so, remotely? I, I used to I used to do them myself, but I don't do them anymore. I used to do all my evictions, and I haven't. I don't have that many, and a, and a lot of that comes from just tenant screening. Now, you know, every once in a while, you'll have a great person who does go bad. Uh, it happens, but you know, tenant screening, you can really find. Uh, you can find the people that'll stay and pay, and they've got uh, ties to the community. My philosophy is if you can't afford to keep it vacant, you can't afford to keep it. So you shouldn't be trying to hold a rental if you can't afford to keep the property vacant until you find the right person to uh, to stay there. And that's a great – you can tweet that one, Brandon. You write that one down. <laughs> oh, I will. I will. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now that's great. That's great. Well, listen, we, we've covered a ton, a ton of stuff. I, I'm looking at the list of notes that we, we write before every show and we've tackled probably 5% of the questions that we wanted to ask. <laughs> so, um, so well, I guess we'll just have to have part two next week. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it, it seems we keep, we, we keep doing this with people. We, we want to keep getting back to people and, and I, I think at some point soon, uh, we, we will have to circle back. But, um, before, uh, before we start to wrap up, We've got a segment of the show that we like to call our fire, fire round. That's our. Uh, you got to do that like the monster voice. truck. Yeah. Yep. Like, fire yeah. round. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. So, fire round is basically uh, we take questions from the forums, questions that people have asked, and we ask them for you in a format where you, the respondent, needs to answer them, hopefully, in a concise way. So, Not like with- the time it's taking Josh to explain the fight. <laughs> you, know, you know, it's funny that I've, I've listened to other podcasts and I heard some people respond. And I'm like, man, that was a great answer. You know, I wonder how they came up with that so quickly. So I, I hope I can do as well. Good luck. Uh, well, yeah. right, Brandon's going to kick this off for us. Uh, all right, number one is ho- – the- the question is, is wholesaling illegal? This came from the forum. So somebody said, is wholesaling illegal? My lawyer said it was. Yeah, get a new lawyer. Good answer. <laughs> it's, it's not illegal. You, you, you know, they wholesale food. Everything's wholesale. 
don't know. Holst, I think I responded to that one, or maybe I read it and thought, this is this is the worst question ever. I'm not even <laughs> it doesn't even justify a response. No, wholesaling is not illegal. Everything, everything you buy is at some point wholesaled. You know, Walmart buys everything wholesale and sells it to you retail. No, wholesaling is not illegal. Good answer. Oh, was there a part two to that question, Brandon? Oh, uh, no. I mean, I don't know. The the basic the premise was are wholesalers acting as unlicensed agents. That's uh, that was kind of part uh, two. No, I I think uh, an agent is uh, yeah, that's a good question. An unlicensed agent, you know, they're marketing the thing to be paid a commission. They're representing an agent represents a seller, and as a wholesaler, I'm not representing you. I'm agreeing to purchase your property, and then contract law allows me to assign that contract. Um, I, I took legal aspects of real estate when I was in uh, just at the local. Uh, community college here, and I recommend everybody do that. If you're in real estate and you live near a community college, go take some of the classes. There's some really great classes out there, and and uh, legal aspects of real estate was one of the ones that I really enjoyed. But uh, no, you have the right to assign a contract unless it specifically says it is not assignable. You can assign it. Okay, there you go. There cool. you go. All right. So here's a negotiation question: Do you ask sellers on the phone what's the lowest you'll take? All the time. Yeah, Does I, that I don't work? know if I would. I, yeah, I, I wouldn't phrase it that way. I, a lot of times I'll say, what's the, what's the least amount you'll accept and not lose sleep at night? Or one that I like to do that's really fun is if your house burned down and the insurance company sent a check, what's the smallest or what's the least amount you would accept before you called them up really upset? <laughs> <laughs> there you <So>. go. <laughs> that's good. Nice. nice. All right, number three, should a new investor wanting to get into wholesaling you know, you kind of answered this one earlier. Should a new investor get their real estate license? So maybe right away, first thing, should they get their real estate license? Well, I think you could be involved in an investor and, and work on that on the side. And, you know, I didn't go out and get my license because I felt like I wanted to be licensed. I live near a community college and I wanted to learn about real estate from the the government side of it. So I wanted to learn what the government, the, the state government required me to know as far as real estate. And you'll get that from the community college. Like you can take escrow classes and real estate principles, and they're going to teach you all the laws and rules and things like that uh, related to real estate from being an agent, being a broker. And at, at one point I realized, wow, I have enough classes, enough credits. I can be an agent. So I went and got my license. Did, did yeah. you like that? Did you like that? Yeah, I see the, the the circle hand thing. <laughs> <laughs> I start talking fast. I'm like, well, I'm going to get it all in. I'm Aaron just gets very excited, and so we have to we have to get him to wrap it up here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, Aaron, do do you always know at the start what you're going to do with a property, and uh, do you ever change strategies, say from buy hold to flip wholesale, so on and so forth, after getting into it? Uh, I don't always know, but I do always try to build in multiple exit strategies. So I may have it as a rental, but have enough spread in there that I can wholesale it. There's always a profit in the rehab and flip it, so that's always a, a great strategy. But my every time the phone rings, I want to own it as a rental. If I don't, if it doesn't work for me as a rental, like the one I have in escrow now has a pool, and I don't want to own a rental with a pool because I don't want the extra liability, and I don't want to pay to clean the pool because I know the tenant won't do it. Then I could wholesale it if I want to, but because there's enough profit in it, I'm going to rehab and flip it. Nice. Gotcha. Uh, best tip for marketing for a tenant. Marketing for a tenant, uh, I would say use V Flyer. Yeah, V Flyer is the best way. Really? Put put your yeah, put it on V Flyer. It hits multiple websites. Uh, it's going to hit PadMapper, Craigslist, Truly, all these different websites. Uh, it's a really nice looking flyer, and put tons of pictures in there. One of my, the things that I do 
is uh, when the house is vacant, we go out and we film a, a video tour of the house. We load that nice. to YouTube. We put a sign in front of the house with a 1-800 number so they can call and get all the information. I never take tenant calls. So they can call the 1-800 number and get all the information or it has our website on there. So they can go to the website while they're in front of the house and they can see a video tour of what the house looks on the inside. So I would create a website so you could put your own rental houses on there. And, and that's what we did. That's Again, cool. it's all about outsourcing it so we don't have to do it. So are you, who's doing the video tours? So once, once we finish rehabbing the house, we'll go out and do one video shot of the house and just edit it on Movie Maker. I think that's standard on all Windows machines. And, and uh, so there's no prices or anything like that in there. It doesn't say it's just a tour of the house. It's uploaded to YouTube. It has the address, but it doesn't have any, anything that would have to do with security deposit or price because those change. Yep. So anytime the house is available, I can just put a link to that on YouTube and people can click, I mean, on a, sorry, on, on Craigslist, I can put that in my ad. Then they can click on that and then get a video tour of the house on, on YouTube. That's great. Cool. Cool little tip. All right. And how do you find a great realtor? Now, obviously, you're a broker, so yeah. It's... Well, 99% of them out there make the rest of us look bad. That's, that's a tweetable. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to find a good agent. Yep. Uh, referral, it really, it's a people business. Get out and start talking to people. The problem with that is you may get somebody who's already entrenched in with an agent, and you don't want to go in and, and act like a wedge and try to start you know, dipping into their, their source of honey. So uh, you know, get out and just start talking to people. It's really the best way is to get out and talk to people. I have an agent now. He's been sending me leads for years and years and years, and, and I was writing a lot of offers, and I just met him through that. He would actually respond to the offers that I wrote it. And so I thought, wow, this is a good guy. He actually responds, unlike a lot of agents. Yeah. This guy calls me, so he's one to you know put in the keeper pile. Yeah, right yeah that's awesome. Cool. All right. We are at the final segment of this podcast today, uh, something we like to call the uh, famous, famous- – and today's <laughs> that would be famous for yeah famous for all right we do this to every guest so you guys uh, you can't know do that deal. like acapella that would actually be really funny you can hire on fiverr you can hire barbershop guys we should i am <laughs> there you go all right we'll see if i can do that for next week all right so first question is what is your favorite real estate book Without a doubt, hands down, I've made the most money from the concepts in Think and Grow Rich. Without a doubt. I've read that book multiple times. Every time I read it, I go back through and I use a different color highlighter. My book now <laughs> nice. looks like it looks like a kid has gotten a hold of it. It's multiple colors. I read it every year. But then I discovered uh, Millionaire Real Estate Investor. And I think that book is the Think and Grow Rich for Real Estate Investors. And I highly recommend everybody read that book. It's an excellent book. Nice. Cool. nice. How about your favorite business book, non-real estate? Uh, favorite business book? No, that's a good question. You know, I just read, uh, oh, you know what? Uh, it's, uh, I have it right here. It's get all, let me, let me swing across the room and grab it. Do it. All right. It's, it's getting everything you can out of all you've got. And it's by a guy named Jay Abraham, and he's an old school marketing guy. It's an absolutely – I used to give that book away free to everybody I knew. It's an excellent book. Cool. Nice. And we nice. will we will link to that book in the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show 37. That's correct. Cool. That's All correct. Right. 
All right. All right. How about uh, how about hobbies? Uh, obviously, travel and fishing uh, are are on your list of hobbies. Anything else? Uh, I'm an amateur kickboxer. I do fight. My last fight was at a casino here in California. I didn't win, but it went all three rounds, and I didn't get knocked down. So, nice. <laughs> nice. Hey, how, so, yeah, how, how I, tall are you? Five uh, ten. You and I should fight at the next Bigger Pockets conference <laughs> because I don't fight at all. I'm terrible, but I'm like six five, so we could have but he'll, fun. He'll crush you, Brandon. <laughs> yeah, but that would wouldn't that be fun? I admit, I would. I would love to watch. I would. I would put my money on Aaron, and I would. I would just sit and laugh and watch like I'm doing now. All right, next next conference, we're we're doing it. It's on. <laughs> all right. Uh, any other hobbies you wanna? I mean, uh, fly fishing, kickboxing, uh, traveling. Yeah, that's, that's it. Cool. Those are, you know, I, I, I try to, I was, I'm easily pulled in many directions as a lot of people in real estate, I think can be, uh, you know, you hear about a new thing, you're like, Oh, you're going to do that strategy. And, and I'm one of those people I'm easily distracted. Uh, my friend has a saying, he's like, uh, you know, whenever I'm around, it's like squirrel. You know, so, <laughs> he does that to me all the time. Squirrel. We'll be talking about something, and I'll just change the subject. And be like squirrel. You know. So, um, yeah, I'm a, I'm easily distracted by the squirrel. So uh, I try to to focus myself on for exercise. I kickbox. My hobby is fly fishing, and my income is real estate. And I try not to do anything else. Nice. nice. Uh, all right. Final question of the day: What do you believe sets apart the successful investors from those who you know try but then they give up and uh, fail? Two words, I have it written on the top of my yellow pad on my clipboard that I carry with me all the time, and it's consistent and persistent. Well, three words, consistent, persistent action. You just got to keep doing it. You can't give up, and you got to do it over and over and over again. Uh, It's like an airplane. An airplane, when it leaves, say it's an airplane flying from L.A. to New York, it doesn't fly in a straight line. It's constantly adjusting course. Blows off a little bit of direction, you know, and they're constantly adjusting, and ultimately they land in New York. Real estate investing is the same way. You're going to constantly be blown off course, and you just have to keep doing corrections, see what you're doing wrong, uh, tweak stuff, uh, look at other investors, what they're doing, how they're being successful. Surround yourself with people that you want to become, and you will get there. They will bring you up, they'll help you out. Get involved with the mastermind. It doesn't have to be a paid mastermind. Get a couple of people together, and and I seen on on bigger pockets. Some people talked about doing like a Google group, a Google a Google Hangout. Uh, that's a great idea. But get involved in some kind of a little mastermind where yeah. you can talk about stuff and talk about your problems and your successes and 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 brag yourself up and 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 people will help you out and and uh, you can help other people out. and that's why I'm involved in bigger pockets you know I I went and spoke at the conference uh, I didn't get paid nobody got paid for any of that well I hope nobody got paid because I didn't get paid <laughs> <laughs> you know it was a great conference and I really can't wait for the next one in Vegas because that's what I'm being told <laughs> Vegas at the golden nugget Josh you want to just go ahead and throw down the dates right now <laughs> Since you uh, since you've uh, preempted me at announcing, listen, ladies and gentlemen, the uh, next conference is not happening. No, it's, there's there's no plan yet, but uh, uh, clearly we'll we'll listen to Aaron's vote at the uh, the Golden. Nugget. It's off the strip. It's affordable. It's a great time. The Golden Nugget, Las Vegas. So look for that. A future podcast. Josh was going to make that announcement. <laughs> Clearly, Aaron's not getting paid for any <laughs> from the Golden Nugget. To, to, he may not I, even I, be invited back next time. <laughs> I, might, I, I might not be in attendance. I might be barred. But <laughs> no, you know, but Joshua, that was 
to be involved in bigger pockets it's been wonderful i really enjoy it. i get a lot out of it i like to contribute but when you get to meet the people face to face that's the connection and that really helps out a lot because you put actually a human being behind that and and you can talk to them in person you sit in the bar and talk about uh, the deals i think we stay awake uh, you know like one or two in the morning that night in the hotel and just talking about deals and and you get a lot more content and and a lot more information when you're when you're in a small group like that yeah. so just get involved in some kind of a little mastermind create your own we meet every tuesday at a sizzler you know, and that way we used to do it at another restaurant, but you know, us real estate investors were notoriously cheap, so it would get the bill would get passed yeah. down, and then you would end up spending like seventy five dollars for a hamburger, so because <laughs> everybody else everybody else shortchanged it. So <laughs> now we meet at a Sizzler. Everybody pays for their own food, and nice. and they've got they've got a little private meeting room. And so find a Sizzler in your area and just start marketing real estate uh, real estate mentoring meeting uh, or mastermind every. Every Friday at noon. So nice, that's nice, and and you know that that's happening on a large scale now on bigger pockets. It's uh, it's pr- pretty cool to see. I mean, we we've got we've got meetups in dozens of of cities now around the country, and and it's all kind of organically happening through the site, through people setting up keyword alerts on the site, and and uh, you know somebody just kind of taking the lead and saying, hey, I want to, you know, I'm in Des Moines, I want to do this. Everybody else in Des Moines, jump on, and it happens, and it's fabulous. All right, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw it out there right now. The, the house I have in escrow, we're, we're waiting on the seller to send the contract back. Or not the contract, the grant deed. She mailed everything back by the grant deed. I don't know why, but uh, escrow called her. She said she's going to mail it back. When she sends it back, we get the house all rehabbed. I'll do a meetup at that house when it's nice. ready for sale. Nice. There you go. That's awesome. And bring your swimming suit because the pool will be rehabbed. You can go swimming. Nice. 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 All right. Well, listen. You guys pay attention, focus, and and, and follow uh, Aaron on Bigger Pockets, and and of course, uh, you know uh, when when he announces the uh, pool meetup, pool party, you know, jump in <laughs> and and make moves. But uh, otherwise, listen, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. I I know that uh, got a ton of great advice here, and and we really appreciate having you, and and uh, look forward to seeing you around the site. Yeah, and I, I appreciate what you guys do. I mean, this is a bigger pockets. It's an amazing website to go to. You can spend a lot of time on, the, and it's spending. You're spending your time. You're investing your time, and it's you're going to get way more out of that site than you know any other site that you, you go and visit on the web on the internet. I mean, bigger pockets has been phenomenal. I really enjoy it, and I really like the people that I meet there, and I, and I like sharing and helping people out. So you know, awesome. go go forth and make money. Nice, nice, nice. and and by the way, he is not getting paid for, for saying that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not gonna pay him for anything. <laughs> That's okay, man. No, I'm right. just kidding. Well, That's thank okay. you. You know, the, a lot of people help me to get to where I am, and and it's just part of paying it forward or paying it back or whatever you want to call it. You know, yep. uh, it, it, you got to help out the people that are that are getting in the business because you never know; they might be your next partner. They yep. might bring you the next yep. big fat deal. You never know. So yep. I, I'd like to help you out. That's what we try and do, and and we appreciate you being a part of it. We really do. So, mm-hmm. thanks again, Aaron. And if you want to go on vacation to an exotic location, just flip me out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Awesome. Oh, all right. Well, thank you, Aaron. Hey, you guys have a great day. All right, guys. That was our show with Aaron Mazzarillo. Uh, we want to thank Aaron again for taking the time. Uh, and he certainly did take a lot of our time. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny I could say that when he's not here to defend himself. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> We can mock him afterwards. Yeah. (laughs) No, it was great. Aaron was awesome. Lots of really, really good advice. Um, So uh, big, big thanks. And and again, do do make sure to uh, jump in on the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show 37 so you can connect with him 
or just give me a hard time as some people have begun. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody called me out for like falling asleep or something during one of the shows. And, and uh, I, you know, I, I take umbrage with that. I, I, you know, we're, we're, we're on camera, we're working this thing and, and uh, you know, we, yeah. Now, granted, sometimes my 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 mind wanders off thinking about <laughs> real estate. And, and like today, me thinking I had to call my uh, title <laughs> company and talk to them. Yeah. Aaron totally busted you on that. <laughs> that was awesome. That was awesome. It was it was? But uh, anyway, thank you guys for listening. We really, really, really do appreciate it. And and for those of you who continue to to uh, to leave us feedback, we 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 take heed to all that and and we we try to make the show as as good as possible for as many people as possible uh really quickly if you are a listener we have now 13,000 average listeners per show uh we've got about 400 something reviews on iTunes uh so there's like 12,000 plus people who have not yet taken the time to leave us a review please guys take take a minute jump on iTunes Leave us a review, one to five stars. Hopefully it's five. And uh, leave us some feedback, a review on there. The more reviews and ratings that you guys leave, the, the, the better uh, the chances are that other people will find us. So, so do do that. Uh, it means a lot. And uh, beyond that, remember, uh, share your favorite quote from the show using the hashtag BiggerPockets on G+, Twitter, Facebook. Definitely connect to the site. You can do that at BiggerPockets.com. And... Uh, Lastly, if you're not, uh, you know, following us yet on Facebook, Twitter, G+, so on and so forth, uh, just go to those networks. You can actually go to BiggerPockets slash Facebook, BiggerPockets slash Twitter, so on and so forth, and find us there. Um, that's it. Hopefully, uh, you've enjoyed the show. We got a lot more great episodes planned ahead for you. So keep listening, keep learning, keep making things happen. We'll see you on BiggerPockets. Catch you next time. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Here to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom. And the best investors know it's not about timing the market, it's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals and enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and bam, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.